This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. We now live in a world, by the way, where you can order a George Santos cameo message. He's raised prices twice in the last 24 hours. I'll tell you the surprising purchaser of one of those cameos coming up in a, a little bit. But um, there's something that I want to raise with you that I've always been curious about. And it's difficult for me to raise this because I don't know that there's any way to bring this up without me sounding a little racist. But I'm going to bring it up anyway. Additionally, the unlike, say, the Kennedy assassination or... Uh, Uh, other different conspiracy theories that I've brought to your attention. What I am about to share with you, unlike any of them, has almost no evidence. But I'm going to bring it up anyway. Okay, let me give you a little background. I have noticed in the community that I live in, almost everybody that I grew up with cannot afford to buy a house. So what they do is they move somewhere where they can afford to buy a house. And I would just wonder, and this is going back six, seven, eight years, I would just wonder, who could afford to buy a house now? Sometimes friends of mine, family members, people that are a little older generally, but not exclusively, they would sell their houses, they would get their asking price, and I would say, hey, nobody I know can afford to buy a house. Who did you sell your house to? And time and again, the response specifically was Chinese people. Not Asian people, but Chinese people. Specifically, Chinese people. And I thought, huh. thought to myself, that's interesting. And this was the case in several different communities. And I thought to myself, why do... do, Chinese people have all this money to buy houses, including, in some cases, cash, and in some cases, 
um, you know, being able to pay 20 percent or more for a down payment and not needing uh, personal mortgage insurance. I just kind of wondered about it. Then five or six years ago, I was at a lunch uh, for, you know, a client lunch with a radio station that I was working with at the time with a mortgage broker or a mortgage banker. It was, a, you know, it was somebody that was either advertising on the radio station or considering advertising. But this was someone that was incredibly well-versed in real estate. So I asked this person. name was Brett. I said, Brett, let me ask you a question. Out where by you live, out where by I live, and I hear this in community after community, the only people that I am hearing that can afford housing prices where they are now and person after person or family after family that's buying these houses for sale are Chinese people. I said, I realize this is an indelicate question. Why? Why is this the case? And he said, I've noticed the same thing. That is absolutely the case. And that that is a fact. Here's why. This is what he told me. They, Asian and Chinese people, and some other cultures, but those those that culture specifically, they're willing to do something that most Western American-born families are not willing to do. What's that? They're willing to live with an extended nuclear family. And have multiple generations, sometimes three generations, living under the same roof, including sometimes siblings. So what all these adults do is they, you know, pool their resources and use that money to buy a house. And I said, okay, so it's cultural. Yes, it's cultural. And then um, I also noticed, obviously, the, um, the work ethic that is present in immigrant Asian families, first-generation and second-generation Asian immigrants, I find have just an incredible work ethic. There's this drive, and Amy Chua writes about this to some extent in um, her book, The Ballad of the Tiger Mom. There's this incredible drive to succeed, and you see all of these people becoming, mostly through hard work and sacrifice, Financially independent and successful. I said, okay, so that's the reason why. Did not think about it again for the next five years. I had my answer, and I would see more and more Asian families moving into my neighborhood, and more and more of the people selling to them saying that um, they're, they're Chinese, specifically. So didn't think about it again until last week. Last week... I ran into a listener of this show and someone that, you know, that I I, I never met, but who who I know through one degree removed. And this comes up, the idea of Asian families and Chinese families buying every new house where we live. This is what this person tells me. The person tells me what I am hearing, she said, And now this is, I want to be very clear, this is a conspiracy theory for which I have no evidence. And in mentioning this, I am not trying to foment anti-Asian sentiment at all. Because much like uh, Jerry Seinfeld, I love Asian people. Donna Chang? I should have talked to her. I love Chinese women. Isn't that a little racist? If I like their race, how can that be racist? (laughs) 
that's where I am. I am with Jerry on that one. I am very pro-Asian. But anyway, this listener tells me that the conspiracy theory that she has been hearing is the following. That the Chinese government is lending money to Chinese residents in America to buy a house and that they'll have 100 years to pay it back. Now, no evidence of this. I tried to do a little research on this online. I didn't find any credible sourcing for this. But she said this is the buzz that's out there. Now, for all I know, this could simply be xenophobic Asian bashing. You know, we've seen that. There's a long history in this country. But it got me thinking because we've seen, uh, you know, Chinese government, the, the Chinese government over the last 20 years has either been our first or second biggest lender. They lend the United States more money than almost any other country. Uh, Ten years ago, they were number one. Right now, they're number two behind Japan. Additionally, we do see many Chinese nationals buying up all sorts of real estate, land all over the country. DeSantis actually passed a law in Florida preventing this from happening going forward. So there, it doesn't seem crazy to think that a country with a billion people that already lends the United States a lot of money and where so many of the products that Americans purchase are manufactured. It doesn't seem crazy to me to think that, you know, and you know how the Chinese think, meaning the Chinese government. They don't think a year down the road, five years down the road, two years down the road, uh, 10 years down the road. They think 25, 100 years down the road. Is it so crazy to think that maybe the Chinese government would be making this kind of investment to essentially have a nonviolent takeover of the United States? I, I realize this sounds crazy, but ever since this person told me this, I've been thinking about it, you know, nonstop. So I would love to hear from you at 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. If you are an Asian homeowner, first generation, second generation, I'd love to hear your perspective. If you're a realtor or a mortgage broker and you've identified some other cause, whether it's cultural or something different, I'd love to hear your perspective. If you're someone that has sold your home to a Chinese family, I'd love to hear your perspective. Or if you've somehow looked into this, um, I I want to be very clear. I don't see any evidence of this, but it's being talked about out there, being whispered about, and I'm curious about it. And I just wonder if there is something to this. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Could there be something to this? Um, I think it's one of those things that sounds crazy. Ah, And maybe it is, but it is a very noticeable trend. Now, look, uh, maybe when there were a bunch of uh, Italian families moving to 
New York, they were saying the same thing, uh, accusing the Italian government, such as it was, of surreptitious motives. And certainly, you know, a lot of immigration laws and other laws have been motivated by anti-immigrant racism and xenophobia. But I just wonder, given the what we know about the global ambitions of the Chinese government, and given the fact that, I mean, there does seem to be a trend that only Chinese families can afford these homes. I just wonder what's going on there. Maybe it is cultural, as that realtor told me or that uh, mortgage banker told me. But maybe it's something else. What do you think? 800-848-9222, You know, someone else just texted me. They are experts at money laundering. Well, I think that's pretty racist. I can't imagine they're all laundering money, right? Can't be. 800-848-9222. Rocco in Saratoga. What do you think? Yes. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle right. bell, Rocco. Rocco, give me a point. Bell, give me bell. a point. Okay, okay, Frank. I'll tell you what I think. Merry, happy, whatever, happy holidays. Okay, to one and all, whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim. All right. Thank you, Rocco. Appreciate it. All right. Just get right to your point once you're on the air. I mean, I appreciate the well wishes, but by the time Rocco finishes saying hello, the show is over. 800-848-9222. Max is in Brooklyn. Hello, Max. Yeah. Hi, Frank. Listen, I want to ask you a question. I, I play golf. You know, the golf game with the ball, the stick, the hole, whatever. I play with this guy. He is, this is a big guy. He always talk about you and your show all the time. Every, every week I see him two days a week, he talk about your show. So he's big guy, maybe 300 pounds. You know, two, he's private detective. He's got the, he showed me ID. He's got the gun. He carry gun, you know, private detective. So he's fat private detective. He talk about you all the time. You have something in common with this guy? I mean, you are brothers or something? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, does he say he knows me? Well, I think from what he tells me, you and him have something in common. And you know what I think that is? What's that? You are both big dicks. Get it? Thanks. Thanks, Max. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Mike is in Baltimore. What's on your mind, Mike? Yeah, I heard the same thing, uh, but not in the not in the states. I heard it in Canada, and I just recently heard it, maybe about a month or so ago. Uh, they bought a lot of stuff in Canada, and um, it has to be the, it has to be the government. I mean, it, it sounds strange, and when when I'm listening to the radio with you, I'm like, no, no, I never heard of that. And the way you set it up, you first start off in the beginning, and then at the end, you said, yeah, they're doing it. Look into Canada as well. I don't know which side of Canada. I don't know if it's the whole side of Canada. They said they're buying a lot of real estate up. And if I'm not mistaken, they said it was after uh, the corona. Really? Well, I I mean, the trend that I've noticed in in the New York area anyway, it began uh, pre-corona. So, but that's interesting. I I hadn't heard that about Canada. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. And, you know, it's funny. I had a, a couple that I was friends with and they moved to North Carolina for work reasons, they sold their house to Chinese people. And they, you know, were describing how embarrassed they were that their neighbor across the street was uh, was openly racist 
to the to these people. This this fella and his young son stood in front of their house, glaring at my friend's house across the street as these uh, this Chinese couple came in and with their arms crossed, looking like big tough guys, the father and the kid. And they shouted to these people going into the house saying, we don't want no Chinese over here. And the cup, the woman in the couple said to me, you know, she apologized profusely to these people. She was incredibly embarrassed. And she said, these people that came in were so incredibly polite. Unlike so many of the other buyers, they took their shoes off. And recognize the fact that even though I have a a child, I've been cleaning all day. Meanwhile, that guy that's screaming at them is one of the worst neighbors of all time. I would take 10 of these Chinese couples over this idiot neighbor any day of the week. So I don't want to be part of fomenting any sort of prejudice in um, real estate or in any other aspect. But I, I think it's also worth noting that the Chinese government does have global ambitions. They want to be not part of the G7. They want to be G1. That's that's you know that's kind of the uh, the, the the goal there. There's a very good book by uh, Peter Kiernan. It's called "Becoming China's Bitch and Nine Other Catastrophes That um, America Must Avoid, and it's available. It's a few years old, but I think a lot of what he writes about there, and this is not a lunatic at all, a lot of what he has written about has kind of come to fruition. Um, Becoming China's B-Word and Nine More Catastrophes We Must Avoid Right Now by Peter Kiernan. It's actually about 11 years old. It's really interesting to see how so many of the things that he warned about 11 years ago have come to fruition. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222, Arnie is in Brooklyn. Hello, Arnie. Yes, I heard this 20 years ago. They bought my friend's house. They came over with a shopping bag full of money, cash. Right, and where do you think the money is coming from? Like you said, Chinese government. Interesting. Even the businesses. What did you say? What's the... Even when they have all these businesses, you know, the fruit markets and all, same thing. Interesting. Thank you, Arnie. And just a reminder to everybody, if you keep your radio turned off, I'd love to hear from some um, Asian people, especially if you're an Asian immigrant. Uh, we'll put you right to the front of the line. Uh, Christian's going to make sure to keep a line open as well. I'm curious what you think about this. Charlie is in Brooklyn. Hello. Yeah, hi. Uh, I, I have the same dilemma right now in my mind. Um, I'm selling a house for a couple million dollars, right? And I got a buyer, and um, the commitment letter from their financial financial institution made me laugh, you know, because most of the income was coming from border uh, income, and it just didn't make sense. What to is me border that, income? Well, border. I had to look it up myself, and border income is. Income from people that uh, that are staying at their dwelling. Oh, I see. I see. But but the only thing is, they own one family home, you know, and and they could only show sixteen thousand and change on the books. So I'm saying, where are they getting the rest of this money? And what do you think? Well, what do I think? I, I laughed at the commitment letter. 
But I'm not laughing now because um, after 45 days, they only have 45 days to get the the other letter, you know, from the bank. It seems as though they have their own little um, thing going between the fine. The, uh, the financial institution and the uh, and the buyer, and I can't make. I mean, I I worked it out uh, mathematically. It doesn't make any sense to me. Money's come from someplace, and it can't be from border income. Does it? It don't work out. So I, I'm really, I don't. I mean, listen. I, not that I don't care where they get the money from. I mean, I, I'm not a. That's not my job. Right. I, exactly I understood. What. You're not the government. You're not an investigator. You're looking to sell a house for the price that you want. Yeah. So, I, ha- I mean, you know, they're supposed to come up, come up with us. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be a problem because the institution feels very secure. They're going to get it. But I don't see where they're getting it from. Yeah. Charlie, this, you know, hearing from you, this kind of heightens my curiosity about this. Where How does this how does this happen? I mean, if they're only showing income from renters and they have a one-family house, where are they getting the money to pay cash for that? 800-848-9222. Anthony on Staten Island. Hi. Hey, good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing just dandy. Thank you. All right. Just chiming in here. I uh, heard what you guys were talking about. And I feel like the uh, the banks are complicit in this, okay? Uh Besides, the Chinese are very smart, okay? And uh, I'm not saying anything one-sided about them. They're very hardworking. A lot of them are. Absolutely. But uh, at at the same time, you have the younger generation, the Americanized Chinese, which obviously are educated here, which do know all the loopholes in any system that they they pretty much enter. Eventually, they find out, and they know how to um, how to game the system, essentially. And the banks are complicit in the way that they're able to, from what I understand, the, a lot of the loans are subsidized by a Chinese bank at a lower rate. So you and I will take a 30-year term on a fixed, and they'll get like a hereditary loan where it's a 100-year note at maybe 1% or one5 when you're paying 6 or 7 So how is that even legal? Well, so, uh, for instance, that uh, is there any documentation of that? I mean, I mean uh, how can I find that what you just be- said is true? That that's exactly what I'm saying is there has to be some type of paper trail when you do a sale, right? Right, right, exactly. I mean, uh, but uh, see, that would kind of show that there's something fishy going on here. And I'd love to know, you know, if there's a way to find that out there's, definitively. There's definitely a, a way where the actual ba- the banks themselves, if they, whatever they're doing, it's under the cover of it being legal. But the money is definitely pushed from overseas, from they saying from Asian banks. So I mean, how how is this? It's kind of not fair to people that work hard. It's it's basically just a survival kit, you know. Um, they have cash businesses, and a lot of them. And I'm not gonna I'm gonna be honest here. Ninety percent of that cash in the cash businesses that's obtained is tax free cash. So they have that edge too. You know, when you yeah. own a business and you're not depositing everything and you're paying uh, and you're keeping cash, and there's a lot of under the under the table deals too at closings with uh, with lawyers. Lawyers look the other way at closing. They they can lose their license for it, but you know what it is is a lot of the the lawyers that they have they use when they go to closing an Asian bank, 
an Asian lawyer. It's it's a whole syndicate. It's a whole team. It's it's like a joint. When my dad sold his house in Brooklyn, Asians bought it, and there was like five different guys on the on the paperwork. He didn't. He he. My father says there's like five guys buying the house. Well, that but would seem. They showed up with cash. They had they had what they needed, and uh, right. Right. And they proceeded to close. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. What you just said, the last aspect of what you just said, would seem to support what my my friend, the mortgage banker, said, which is that they're willing to live in a manner that most American families aren't, meaning multi-generational sharing of the expenses. 800-848-9222. Tom is in Bayside. Hi, Tom. Hi, Frank. Um Kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, um, you know, I've been living in Queens for many, many years, and I know I I didn't know how they would they would buy a house that was in decent shape for a million dollars, knock it down, and build a two million dollar one of these brick mansions that they that they they build all the time, and no yard, they take away the yard, everything. I I heard recently, like within the last five years, that they they do something like they call them legacy loans, and they're basically hundred year mortgages that go from family to family. You know, the whole family gets involved, and whoever comes from you know Asia or, or and they all chip in. So this house is in the family forever. Yeah, I mean, I, so I mean, where do they get the hundred-year mortgage from? They're getting they're getting them from Asian banks, huh. exactly like what the last gentleman said. They have a team. They are a, a you know they stick together. They've all you know it's always been that way, and finding out that that's what they do it makes so much sense because and. I didn't hear everything you were saying, but I kind of just got involved because this is what I know. Um, so I think that's that's a big deal, and it's a it, it makes a lot. It's very logical to me. Yeah, it is interesting. If you have any documentation on that, or or have anything that's been written on that, I'd love to read more about that, Tom, because it would seem to support this conspiracy theory that we're we're talking about here. Thank you, Tom. 800-848-9222. Mike is in Pennsylvania. Hi, Mike. How you doing, Frank? I'm originally from Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Sunset Park, Brooklyn, you think you're in China when you're there. Yeah, I've, I've been there okay, many times. I, There's a, that's where the MDC is. I've been there many times. Yeah, in fact, they used to be, that used to be all Norwegian neighborhood. Yep. Scandinavian. In fact, I married the last Norwegian off of that avenue. And if you lived with her for 10 years, you know why she was the last to get picked. But besides <laughs> that, right? Besides that, Frank, now she was a swear. Besides that, Frank, uh, I've seen them come in, and, and yes, they do come in in groups. And I'll give you an example. I saw a house on my old block, one of my friends' house, and it was for sale. One of the big houses on the block. I said, let me see what they're getting for this. So I called the real estate. Said, Excuse me, I see this house on such and such street. Bah, bah, bah. You know, what's the particulars in it? Oh, guy said to me, you're not Chinese. Now he hears me on the phone. See, I know, but I'm like, no, 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 no. no house not for sale. House not, he wasn't going to give me nothing. You understand? He wasn't going to give me nothing. Now, if I did that, I'd probably be in jail. 
know what I mean, Frank? I, I, I do, Mike. Up. I do, Mike. Uh, thank you. Uh, we had one more call in, um, especially because it's our listener of the week. The rest of you, I'll try and get to you a bit later, but we got Gnome Laden waiting in the wings. And I want to uh, tell you about George Santos's latest uh, career. Frankie is in Glendale, our listener of the week. Hello, Frankie. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, listen, I got the Chinese next to me. They bought the house in 2017 for like three quarters of a million dollars. They must have put another $300,000 into it. Next door, I got the Colombians. They bought the house, $850,000. I think he put another $200,000 into it. I got the Mexicans across the street. Let me tell you, I trade, they could all stay. They're doing the right thing. We're on a family-oriented block, and uh, they're keeping up with the Joneses. Where they get the money from, I really don't give a rat's ass. Thanks, Frank. Right. Well, I mean, Frankie, I mean, I, I guess as long as you're getting paid, I don't think anybody is. I mean, but that's kind of my question is where does the money come from? Someone that's got plenty of money through his work as a uh, very highly paid newsman is our news director, Noam Layden. He joins us straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. who has uh, recently made headlines for her statement uh, where she says she guessed she has come out as queer. She said, I mean, honestly, I tried to read her comments. I don't understand who she's sleeping with, but I, I honestly don't care. Let her, if she wants to sleep with men, men, women, God bless her, makes no difference to me. And she basically, her reaction, I thought was a very good one. She said, uh, one, uh, I didn't think it was, I didn't think people didn't know Two, I didn't think it was such a big deal. And three, I'm not answering any more questions about it. So good for her. Uh, but uh, she is making news because she may have come out as what she described or what was described as queer. So it's not my termination. That's that's hers. All right. Uh, somebody that uh, I, if I hope he ever comes out, will do it on this radio program is joining us now to talk about some news. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. From New York City, the other side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. 
All right, Noam Layden. Frank, I, I got a lot of flack for this when I did this story about two weeks ago, maybe it was less, about this huge spike in respiratory illness among children in China mm-hmm. and how the World Health Organization was trying to get a handle of what was going on here. Was it a virus? Or was there more to this? And they, in typical fashion, the Chinese not giving them the information that they wanted. And uh, now we see that there's something really to this. This has spread now to Europe, and we're seeing this huge spike in child pneumonia and respiratory illness in Ireland, in France, other European countries, recording the sharp rise in child pneumonia cases. This, as in China, back in China, they've seen this surge, so much so that they don't have enough room for all the patients that want to be brought in, the kids, they have families Uh, outside hospitals waiting to get admitted to rooms. That's not the case in Europe yet, thankfully. Um, But they say they've watched these cases closely. So here is the piece of good news I should point out, is the death rate has not surged in any sort of way, that uh, most of these kids who have shown up at these hospitals with these respiratory illnesses or with pneumonia have been able to recover on their own or within the hospital and go back home. But... We've seen it leave now China, and now it's gone to Europe. And, of course, the thought is not long until it makes it here. If it's in Europe, obviously not long until they transfer it right here to the USA. I thought I had seen some reports that the white lung syndrome was here in the United States. Yeah, not yet? I, no, no real signs of the that it's here. Maybe you're seeing something that I haven't. Okay. Well, but the, so far, Europe saying that these cases they think are connected to the ones in China, All right. something to watch out for. Uh, George Santos, okay. Oh my. Of course, on Friday, no doubt you saw that George Santos, the lawmaker from New York, was expelled from Congress for a bunch of things, most of it illegal activity that, uh, well, he hasn't been found guilty yet, but accused of illegal activity connected to spending donor cash on um, uh, uh, spa treatments, on uh, porn, on clothing, on handbags, all kinds trip of things. Trip to Atlantic City, man <laughs> after my own heart. A trip to Atlantic City. Uh, so now uh, you can imagine they want to replace him with another Republican in this district. They don't want to lose that seat. They had turned that seat Democrat to Republican. But boy, are Republicans, Frank, on Long Island embarrassed that he was even able to get to the place that he was. They did no background checks on George Santos. So Republicans out on Long Island uh, saying this time there's 30 candidates that have come forward for the seat, wow. by the way. 30, a number of them just in the days since he's been uh, thrown out of Congress. And Republicans want you to know this is what they're going to do to look at the background of anybody who wants that seat. We'll have an outside firm do a complete background check on the potential two or three finalists and make sure that we have all the information necessary, that there's nothing that goes uh, unturned. If someone says they graduated from college, we took their word from it. Today, I guess we'll ask to see the diploma. Of course. We'll we check with the university. We found out in the aftermath of Santos that he had made up most of his background story, and somehow Republicans in Long Island had no idea. They were as shocked as we were. So now George Santos, unemployed essentially from Congress, has been thrown out. 
But a cameo, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with cameo, it's where celebrities and famous people go to record personalized videos for the everyday American, right? And uh, that's where he's gone. And Cameo tells us in the first 24 hours that he started recording videos, he essentially cannot handle the volume of requests that have come in. Wow. 200 bucks a pop he's charging. Now, he started at only $75, Yeah, right? he raised it to 200 bucks. Yeah. And he's and they uh, I mean, I can only believe what Cameo is telling me that he has a list that he has not been able to get to all the people who want him to record a video. Uh, here's one he did for a fan who wanted to send a Hanukkah greeting to someone. Hey, Johnny, just wanted to stop by to wish you a happy Hanukkah. Isaac is your great friend. He's the one who's sending you this awesome video. I'm sorry to be gone, and I'm sorry that I won't be able to continue to represent you guys. Love you guys. Wish you the best this coming year, and enjoy the festivities with family. And just, you know, till we meet again. Bye. 200 bucks. Um, how many, honestly... Do we have any idea how many people he's doing this every day for now? I mean, I know yesterday was only the first day, but how many people do you think? I, if they're telling me they can't handle the volume, it's got to be at least a couple hundred in the first day. I mean, it took him, what, 30 seconds to record that? Right. But, you know, you have to go look. But the way Cameo works is sometimes they'll send you a script they want you to read or names they want you to mention. And then you formulate like a 30 or 40 second video that you send to this person. Let's say it's 100 people, right, right at 200 bucks a pop yeah. because it started out at 75. And I'm sure early on there's going to be a big rush. Six months from now, I can't imagine that there's going to be the same no. kind of demand. So if it's 100 people at 200 bucks a day. That's $20,000 a day yeah. that he's making. If he does that for uh, 15 days, that's more than he makes in a year in Congress. Yeah. I mean, that's extraordinary. And there's no reason not to expect that that will happen. You're right. This will be a rush that will happen through the Christmas season, and people will likely forget about him until maybe he ends up on trial and trial. But uh, maybe he's paying off some legal bills. Oh, no, with I'm this. sure. And probably restitution if he gets convicted or anything. But if that, with that 25, excuse me, $20,000 a day, if that continues for 40 days, that's 800 grand. Yeah. That, that's not only a substantial amount you could pay for your legal bills, but, uh, to make restitution and, you know, not to, you know, have a little nest egg to invest in other things. So if he does end up going to prison for a couple of years, he'll have some money when he comes out. And, and these probably people are not fans. They're people who are sending essentially joke videos to their friends. And you think, uh, are there 20,000 Americans who will think this is funny and spend 200 bucks? That seems reasonable. Yeah. Right? I I think it's kind of reasonable. (laughs) Um, I actually, and I know George Santos, if I asked him nicely, he might just do this, you know, for somebody, not probably not now, but uh, (laughs) if I asked him yesterday, he might have. I was thinking of, would I pay $200 to get this for my brother-in-law or something? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, But um, it's, it's so interesting to me because this goes hand in hand with what we've seen really over the last decade, maybe more, that the most important thing that you need in America right now to make a living is name recognition. It doesn't matter whether it's for something good or for something bad. If you have name recognition, if you are famous or infamous, you're always going to be able to make a living. Yeah. Look at O.J. Simpson. A perfect example. Right. Perfect example.
Yeah, that's another one. I don't know if he's on Cameo, but somehow he still is making money, which is sort of unbelievable. Yeah, that is <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is for sure. Oh, yeah, that's very. Oh, but did you hear the best example of what no. George Santos did? So do you know who bought um, a Cameo from him? Who's that? John Fetterman. Oh, no, so I didn't see this. John Fetterman right. it has been saying that they need to expel Bob Menendez. Right. And so uh, he had George Santos record a cameo for Bob Menendez. This is a little bit of that cameo. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, <laughs> I don't Bobby. think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. <laughs> now, Fetterman dipped into campaign funds to pay Santos that $200. Not surprisingly, Menendez took a shot back at uh, at Fetterman and said, uh, well, I don't think Mr. Clickbait's donors will appreciate him enriching George Santos because I understand he paid for it. And I'm amazed he didn't ask his mom and dad for the money, oh, okay, yeah. which I thought was interesting. <laughs> um, but I, you could tell this is going to be something we're going to be following for some time. Oh, yeah. Well, one last quick story. Do you remember? Well, you may not have even been alive for this, but in the eighties, Coke tampered with yeah, its, new Coke with its sure. flavoring, right? Yeah. And there was just worldwide outrage. Essentially, Coke uh, sweetened its soda to make it a little bit more like Pepsi because Pepsi was taking away so much of their business. Mm-hmm. And there was this outrage, and then they brought back old Coke, and right. it was Coca-Cola the whole thing. classic. Well, right. McDonald's is now messing with its cheeseburger. And uh, people think the same thing might happen. They've started with a number of restaurants on the West Coast. Essentially what they're saying, this is interesting, that they think the cheeseburger they're creating in these test grills on the West Coast and restaurants there are more flavorful than the ones we're getting on the East Coast. And so it'll be just a matter of time until we'll be able to bite into these cheeseburgers. One of the things they've done is they've changed the bun a little bit and the softness of it. They've also taken the cheese and they're going to make it gooier. So when you bite into that burger, now if you bite into a McDonald's cheeseburger, I guess it's not that gooey. But these uh, you'll pull, you'll bite into the burger in these test kitchens uh, on the West Coast. And the cheese, you know, sort of goes from the burger into your mouth like it does in a really good cheese commercial. Uh, they think that'll do it well. They're also going to add onions uh, to the grill and sear them on the grill before they put them on your burger as well. They're also messing with the Big Mac. Hmm. So maybe there's worries here that this, you know, their market share for sure has been taken away uh, to some extent by so many burger chains out there and some high end ones as well. Uh, the with the when it comes to the Big Mac, the only thing they're going to do with that is they're going to put on a whole lot more of that special sauce. Apparently, uh, customers complain there's not enough of it. Now, when you eat that Big Mac, at least in these test markets, and I imagine it will come here to the East Coast, you should have it all over your hands by the time you finish the Big Mac. I don't like that. But um, that's interesting. I also saw they're opening a sci-fi McDonald's in Illinois. Have you heard about this? Yeah, it's uh, called Cosmics. C-O-S-M-C-S. It's in uh, Bolingbrook, Illinois, and its menu lists, of all things, a churro latte, which just to me sounds revolting. But, uh, you know, 
we'll see if this takes off. Yeah, this is uh, apparently a real thing. It's going. They want to challenge Starbucks, and so they're going to create a menu that they think is better than Starbucks and go after them with these mini stores that they're going to set up all over all over the country. Wow. Yeah. Um, you have one more for us? Uh, no? uh, no? uh, well, all right. Not. Save it for tomorrow. Okay. Save it for tomorrow. All right. If uh, if you want to uh, comment, we'll have an opportunity during 15 seconds of fame to uh, take your comment, and we'll hear more from Gnome in future editions of... And now you know the rest of the story. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Other side of midnight. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in just a moment. Uh, you could start queuing up in, um, in in a minute at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. It was on this day in 2013 that Nelson Mandela, who obviously was South Africa's first black president and leader in the anti-apartheid movement, died at the age of of, uh, 95. And on this day in 1791, Mozart died. Interesting. Mozart and Mandela died the same day. There's a lot that we can learn from that. Uh, You know, it's funny. I hung out not long ago with Nelson Mandela's grandson, who is quite a character. And I've met now two of Mandela's grandsons, and I, I think they have different um, – I think they're cousins. They're not siblings. Not I think. I know that they're cousins, not siblings. But as best I could tell, and I'm not trying to be insulting, I don't think either of them have a job other than being Nelson Mandela's grandson. I think they just kind of are Mandela's grandson and enjoy everything that comes with that. Maybe they're on Cameo. Maybe you could book them for a Cameo. I'm looking through this Cameo list. There's not that many people that I would book for a Cameo, but there's a, there's a couple of cool people on uh, on here. You know what it is? I think anybody that I really like enough to want to pay to say, uh, you know, happy birthday or happy Kwanzaa or whatever, is somebody that I actually know a little bit that I could get to do that. So, Like Jesse Ventura, for instance. That's someone that I... I know a little bit, but he's someone that I would book a cameo for. 
if I had a, a football league or something, maybe we'll I'll, I'll from when I do my New Year's Eve Eve invitation, I'll get Jesse Ventura to narrate a part part of it. That would be fun. Although I, I can't help but think it might be a waste of two hundred and fifty dollars that I don't necessarily have right now. All right, we'll put it in the hopper. Put it in the hopper. If someone wants to subsidize the Jesse Ventura aspect of the New Year's Eve Eve invitation this year, let me know. All right. Meantime. The other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Oh, by the way, by the way, just got word from Congressman Santos coming on next Monday on this program. Thank you, Congressman, former Congressman. Uh, Raji, hello. Following the exodus and annihilation of Gaza, a good percentage of Gazans, including Hamasis, will soon be granted refugee status in the USA. Thank you. E. Frank. Yes, Raji is very correct. I approve of what he said. But I want to say, Benjamin Netanyahu is doing very well, and I applaud that he defends us that way, thus allowing our naval forces to collapse under the fourth degree in President. Pamela. Another real estate scam is legal owners of two families are charged extra taxes and have more restrictions, while people who have one families with illegal apartments and rent get away with it. Roy. Happy birthday today to my son, Stephen. And what's WABC mean when it comes to Sid Rosenberg? What a big crybaby. And a fart swampy, Frank. Ray. Russell, your rhetoric's getting tiring. Same nonsense every day. Frank, you're right about the Asians. The Indians do it, too. They all live, come together as families and live together and then put pool all their money together. Sam. Is a moron, is a moron, is a moron. And Ray. Happy holidays to everyone from Carmel, New York. Oh, that's a wonderful note to end on. Thank you. Uh, 800-848-9222. Keep that number handy and we'll get to you tomorrow. A lot to get to tomorrow. Uh, I am looking forward to tomorrow's show. Tune in tomorrow to find out exactly what's in store. Frank Moreno, good day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.